Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Seven o'clock hour, Sports Radio 610. I'm Sean Bajani. He's John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. In for Payne and Pendergast. Uh, John, last segment we were talking a lot of football. You handed out your awards. Um, you mentioned uh, Arizona. You know, J.J. Watt coming up uh, in free agency. I, we talked yesterday about James Harden, a possible Houston reunion. Is there, what's, give me a one to ten. You know, how hot is the burner for J.J. Watt potential to maybe consider coming back to Houston, a place that he'd said he loves and, you know, said all the right things like he always does. Would he consider a return to Houston? Would they consider having him back? I think I'm going to put it out there. That's great. I'm all right. Texans may be, J.J. Watt may be interested in coming back to Houston. Problem with J.J., he's on social media so much, he might say right away, no. And, uh but I'd like to see it. I think it would be great if he came back here. Uh, he's younger than Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. Mm-hmm. Hughes signed a two-year contract. He'll be back next year. And J.J.'s playing really well. He's got, I think, nine and a half sacks. He didn't have a sack Monday night, but he had hits on the quarterback. And uh, he hasn't because he's older. He's 33. Be 34 in March. His performance has not tailed off late in the season. He's actually, I think, played better late in the season. And I've watched all the hard knocks, in-season hard knocks on HBO. Yeah. And I've watched it because of Watt and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And uh, Watt, it, it, watching him with the younger players, young offensive linemen, young defensive linemen, one-time receiver was dropping passes, and he went over and told him how many times he'd been knocked on his butt. And... uh it just makes me long for the days when J.J. was here. And he was always such a good interview, even after losses, when he was so mad and devastating. He still, even one time he'd give like one-word answers, and it was still, that made it that'd be much more interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if Lovey Smith would want him back, if new head coach would want him back, if he'd want to come back, because there's still a rebuilding team. And you think at this point, you know, they went to the playoffs when he, his first two years here, and he played really well in 11 and 12. And I would guess he would want to go somewhere where he could uh, play on a playoff team. I'd love to see him go to the Steelers. Wouldn't Ooh, that be yeah. Fun? Oh, my God. Yeah, get him up there with the bros. <laughs> How about that? Are both of them up in Pittsburgh right now? I believe. I believe Derek and Derek uh, is there. TJ? Derek was with the Chargers for a while. Yeah. And I think he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think you're right. Special teams. And having. TJ and JJ together, 
that would be a great story. Oh, I was I was hoping TJ was you know would come down here to Houston and they they would all congregate in Houston. That would have been an even greater ago. story, Sean. <laughs> have the Watts in Houston. I'd like to see that. You know, it, you mentioned JJ Watt. Like his one word answers. That's kind of when you knew. Like, all right, he was really grinding his gears. He was pissed off. It was kind of the opposite with Andre Johnson. You know, Johnson was a very quiet guy. Didn't say too much, but like when he did, like. If he spoke, then he really needed to get a message across, you know, and it was it was a serious situation at that point in time. Two guys operating on two totally different ends of the spectrum, but when they spoke, they were very, very much listened to. When Andre spoke, people listened, like when he said those things about Easterby twice. Yeah. Boy, people yeah. paid a lot of attention. Yeah, well, you know, rightfully so with everything that was going on there. I'm glad that whole thing is over. All right, we'll start a campaign to get J.J. White back in Houston. Yep, let's do that. J.J. back in Houston. Harden, no. Now let's get to Jim Crane and talk about who he needs to bring back. I want to see what your thoughts are on this. You know, look, he's re-upped with reliever Rafael Montero. They made him the sixth highest paid relief pitcher in all of baseball. Signed Jose Abreu. They brought back Michael Brantley. And, of course, in the process, losing Justin Verlander to free up a lot of money on the books for this season and beyond. They have yet to re-sign Yuli Gurriel, who, of course, has and will have his old spot that he's occupied for the last seven seasons by Abreu taken. Um, they need to fill this utility role that has been vacated by Aledmus Diaz, who's now in Oakland Athletic. He's going to the armpit of Major League Baseball. Didn't you say you got $8 million a year? Who, Diaz? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the it was a hell of a contract. Hell of a contract. I think this about Yuli. Yuli was a third baseman. And then they moved him to first. He became a great first baseman. And he struggled last season. He didn't hit for power. Didn't drive in runs. His average was way down after he led the American League in hitting in uh, 2021. And uh, I don't see him playing a bunch of different positions like Diaz. I'm not all in on Maurice DeBond being their utility guy. The thing about Marwin Gonzalez and Diaz, they could play any position – and you didn't think, oh, my God, they're going to make errors that are going to cost the team. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see Yuli back on a one-year deal as being a backup, being DH sometimes. And um, I think right now they want to play Alvarez in left field for 65 to 70 games. Brantley will probably get a few out there. Brantley will be the DH when Alvarez is in left field. But I'd like to see Yuli there. Everybody loves the guy. He's good. The Astros have such a good culture. That is, yeah. People say, well, what is culture? Culture is overrated. No, it's not. Culture is attitude. You know, do you, do you show up on time? Do you put out all the time? Do you, do you handle people right? Are you causing problems behind the scenes? Are you a me first guy? They don't have those. They're careful about who they get, and they say Guriel is, is as good as any. Yeah. So I'd like to see him get him back, maybe overpay him on a one-year deal. I understand he and his agent are going to look around to see if he can get a, a deal where he can play first base, maybe a two-year contract. Ultimately, I hope they bring Yuli back. I saw a tweet last week, and it was it looked like it was from some uh, like uh, Latin magazine, uh, like El Esquina or something like that. And nobody else really had the story. I saw this, but... It said that Yuli Gurriel had switched agents. So I kind of side-eye that, like, all right, kind of an interesting time to be doing that, one, at this stage of your career, but then, two, at this point in time, 
uh, of the offseason, he switched agents to the guy that used to represent David Ortiz, who currently represents one of the newest Astros in Jose Abreu, which I kind of found interesting. I wonder, you know, what the situation is there, why you switch agents. People also forget Yuli Gurriel had sprained his MCL in Game 6 of the World Series, so why the Astros have not chosen to re-sign him, that could be a factor. Um, who they're working with could be a factor. Be a factor. Age. But then, too, what about this? You know, one of the top prospects in all of baseball is available now. I mean, he's not a prospect anymore, but he's still a young and ascending player, 29-year-old uh, former San, uh, San Diego Padre, Yurikson Profar, who's one of the most I wouldn't have a problem hitters. with Profar. There's guys like that out there. So if you can get younger, if you can get uh, healthier, uh, more consistent play, and keep that same versatility... Why wouldn't you consider upgrading from Yuli Gurriel? So I can't be mad at the Astros right now for one waiting, but then two, even if they don't, John, right? I still wish they'd get a regular center fielder, and uh, instead of going with Chaz McCormick, take Myers again, and um, because center fielder is going to have to cover a lot of ground with Alvarez in left field, and um, I like the fact Brantley, you know, he hit two eighty eight before he had his shoulder surgery. And um, but it looks like they're going with Corey Lee and Yanir Diaz as their backup catchers. Yeah, a little it's, competition in spring. I like it. Instead of you know they they wanted Vasquez back, but he got ten million a year from the Twins, and they they were talking about Wilson Contreras, who ended up with almost what between fifteen and twenty million a year. Yeah, I think it was seventeen is uh, average to go with the Cardinals yeah. to replace. Uh, Molina and um, the way I feel right now, and I think all Astro fans feel this way, Jim Crane's built up enough trust uh, for whatever decisions he makes. You got to believe in. I thought he was nuts to let Correa go. Who wanted to see Jeremy Pena? The guy couldn't carry Correa's jock. And then I thought the year before Springer, another one of my all-time favorite players. How could they let Springer? Get away, batting lead off in center field. That one hurt. And then they win a World Series. Yeah. And so whatever they do, I believe in. Yeah. They, losing Springer hurt because they haven't had a center fielder since George Springer. Texas. Think how good they'd look right now if Springer was in center field. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That lineup would be sick. Seven one three five seven two four six. Then you can call or text the trailer wheel and frame text line. Sign Correa as the utility guy, says one texter. Hey, as time goes on, he might be available. <laughs> yeah, for what price though? Isn't that it's, a weird situation? It is man. so weird. There's so much meat on the bone there. Um, well, there's an update coming up in regards to Carlos Correa that we'll have for you in the headlines uh, later here in the seven o'clock hour. In a few short minutes, we'll be joined by uh, Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. Um, so we're, we'll, we'll talk to him and before we get to head or after we get to head, no, it's going to be before we get to headlines. Um, and in regards to the Astros, so center field, utility role, whoever that's filled by, you know, I, I can't rockets. Twitter's a thing, you know, Texans, Twitter's a thing. Astros Twitter right now, man, in the off season is crazy. Like, you know, people are like, man, what's crane doing? Like, where's Yuli? Da, 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 da. And then I'm seeing, well, hey, you know, chill out, pump the brakes. What about David Hensley 
you know, and you mentioned Yanir Diaz, Pedro Leon is another guy. They have all of these, you know, really versatile players in the system that, you know, they're going to end up filling roles. Jake Myers is not going to be one of those guys, I don't think. Um, but there's, you know, four or five guys, and they might need another one if it's Yuli, if it's Jerickson Profar, if it's somebody to be determined later that you can acquire via free agency. That is an important role. That is a key position filled by Eletmus Diaz, who prior to this last year was really, really good. He never hit the flow in 2022, and they won despite. But the bench is so key, John, and you think so much about pitching and how dominant it's been. It's gotten a lot of attention, but those role players, to give Bregman a spell, to give Pena a spell, to give a corner outfield uh, position a spell, that's vital for a team that, be quite honest with you, I'm not looking for them to do the same thing this year that they did last year, and that is, in large part, escape injury across the board. This year, the pitching staff probably have a lot of injuries. Bullpen, they got the best bullpen in baseball, still got six starters. You mentioned Pedro Leon, who is an outfielder who was tried at shortstop. Why, I can't imagine. I don't like it when you take players who are have a lot of promise at one position and try them somewhere else. To me, it just impedes their development. I would hope that Pedro Leon would go to spring training. You'd love to see him tear it up. And they have oh to keep gosh. him as an outfielder, as a center fielder, because he can. he's a great center fielder. He's got a great arm. He can run, and he needs to be better to play, but most minor leaguers do. You mentioned Profar. I'd love to see Profar with his team. Haven't seen anything that connects them. And Hensley... Dusty likes to give guys days off. And as a fan who watches every game, I don't like it when the guys get off. When Alvarez gets a day off, I'm like, oh, what a bummer. Bregman's out. What a bummer. <laughs> Altuve. You want to see those guys playing every night. And some teams do that. Yeah. Let them play a lot. But they didn't win the World Series. So it's hard to argue with anything the Astros have done considering how they've been on yeah, but you had top to- of baseball six years in a row. You had to go down the list. See, a lot of teams don't have that luxury where it's like, all right, if a Jordan is out on a particular night, it's like, eh, there's nobody else to watch. Well, here, all right, you get, I got Altuve, I got Bregman, I got Tucker. You know, on a given night, like you might have a Justin Verlander. Well, you don't have him, but you got maybe Christian Javier or Framber Valdez to look forward to. I mean, that's, that is to me kind of the appeal that, you know, I don't like talking about a window, but it exists for every organization, every franchise at some point in time, whether it's open or closing. Um, This one, the Astros are just stacked across the board, John. I mean, I look forward to something every single night with these guys. I do too, but I still want him to get a... When Crane talked, he said a couple of bats. Well, he's got one bat. I don't care. He's got a Brayu. I'd still like to see him get another bat. I don't want to see him trade a pitcher. I was looking. I was going. I was perusing their minor league system from high A, double A, AA, and triple A to see who's rated that they might could trade from that level, and uh, don't know who it would be. You know, they're not going to trade any of those top six. I think Hunter Brown is going to be great. God, I don't even you know what we saw him do last year. Yeah, he was great. I can't wait to see. Why him is he the last in the rotation pitching every fifth day? He's still the last guy I think of on that rotation. You know, maybe well, because it's just we saw so he has the least bit, yeah. least experience. But he was tremendous this last year. You and know, I think that Javier is going to be their number two starter. He's going to have his best season by far. 
And, uh, and of course, Frommer's going to be number one, but Javier, I look for him to make a huge leap. Yeah, it'd be great. Maybe you go Fromber, Javier, McCullers, you work Hunter Brown in there, or Keedy, uh, Luis Garcia is another and one six, that people forget about. Six yeah. starters right there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they might they might go get a lefty in the pen, too. You know, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. We're talking about everything they need Smith on the field. Will Smith last year, he didn't do squat. No. We're talking about everything they need on the field. Is maybe their biggest need something they need off of the field? What, a GM? Yeah. I mean, how, how are you kind of digesting all of this with... I mean, it's kind of calmed. I mean, since the Abreu signing, I mean, it was like, boy, we were really talking about, like, what's the dynamic between Jeff Bagwell and Jim Crane? Like, who's running things? Is it the other two assistant general managers, you know, that have been promoted from within? What 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 is their role? How are you seeing this? How are you feeling? Are you surprised that, really, too, that Jim Crane's done this amount of work in the offseason without a GM? And he doesn't want to be the guy doing everything. Uh, from what I'm told, and what he said. He said he they'd hire the guy in January. He said after the first of the year. And then, uh, so we're not even there yet. It's almost like the GM is a glorified personnel guy. The Crane's got to make all the decisions. And I like, Jeff Bagwell's my all-time favorite Astro. And I like the fact that Crane talks to him, relies on him. He mm-hmm. doesn't make final decisions, of course. But you can just listen to Bagwell when he's doing broadcasts and say, man, that guy knows what he's doing, Yeah, what he's talking about. Some people are worried he's too old school and we get away from analytics. Never going to get away from analytics. They've got every analytic you could possibly have at their fingertips when they need to use it. And sometimes what analytics doesn't take into account, this is what bothers me in football, when it says, okay, go for it on fourth and one. Well, it doesn't account whether you're going for it against the Texans and there, or you're going for it against the Rams, and there's Aaron Donald. You know, it doesn't break it down. Oh, there's like so that. much, though. Yeah, but I, I, I like the way they're operating now. And whoever Crane hires, it's going to be the right guy. Yeah. It's whether could it be somebody who used to be in an organization well, who's gone to another team? Could he promote somebody? But you would think, even though he's making the big decisions, a guy would want to come here and be with a winner. Yeah. It, it's. There's no reason to doubt Jim Crane. And you you said that basically in not as many words, but right. there's, there's no reason to doubt Jim Crane to this point. You do no wrong but you, up to now. But you said something kind of interesting to me in that uh, Jim Crane, the GM role is kind of looked at as a glorified personnel, what, guy. personnel guy in his current structure. And that's what kind of maybe bothers me is because like, did he feel like he needed to be more involved just because of one individual in James Click and who he was as a person, as as a professional? Is he going to feel the need to continue to be that guy for somebody that knows how to be a general manager in the game, that has done that before, if in fact that's who he hires? How meddlesome, meddlesome is he going to be, and is he going to continuously rely upon Bagwell or Reggie Jackson or whoever else is in the front office to maybe kind of overstep the new general manager. That's what we don't know yet. I think that uh, he didn't do it with Luno. Mm-hmm. And after he had to fire Jeff Luno, he said he was going to have to pay more attention. And Crane's got a baseball background. He loves baseball. And he's going to talk to Jeff Bagwell. He's going to talk to Reggie Jackson. And maybe he's going to talk to Craig Biggio. And he's going to talk to his three assistant GMs. And then he's going to kind of make the decision that he wants to make. 
And he's not going to make a decision because Jeff Bagwell says, this is what I think we should do, or Reggie Jackson. And Reggie's not involved like Bagwell. Now, he lives in California. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He comes here sometimes. And I'm sure if it's some decisions, he'll run it by him. But Bagwell may say, okay, I think you need to do this. Mm -hmm. He may do it and he may not. You know who we're going to talk to next? Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. He'll join the program when we come back. He's John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. Sean Bajani in for Payne and Pendergast at Sports Radio 610. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. In for Payne and Pendergast, I'm Sean Bajani. He is John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. On the line with us right now is Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. Insider calls brought to you by Driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to Driveway.com where you can get pre-qualified by a car and get it delivered. Ross, man, uh, it's really good to have you on. Good to talk with you. I'm Sean. He is John. Uh, I hope you had a great Christmas, man. Likewise, always great to talk with you guys, and yeah, I mean, uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep because I called that Raiders-Steelers game on Christmas Eve, and then I got home at about 3.30 a.m. in central Pennsylvania, and I think my daughters let me sleep till like 7 a.m., so I probably got about three hours there before it was time to open the gifts and everything, but that gave me a very good excuse to take a nap uh, a little bit later on in the day during that during that terrible Broncos Rams game. Oh, good. Well, hey, it sounds like you have some older kiddos, so you didn't have to go home and build anything, have it setting out. You know, it's like Santa was you know brought it and they were waiting on that. They sound a little older and understand that you needed a little bit more rest. So that's good. Yeah, I mean they're nine <laughs> and ten, so they're not that old, and uh, their mom did the best <laughs> she could putting together the gymnastics set. Um, or whatever but um yeah it was uh it was nice it was nice to be home uh with them on christmas there's a lot of guys that weren't able to because there was three games so if you're a national broadcaster like i am there's a bunch of guys that had to call those other games 
Uh, Ross Tucker, our guest on Sports Radio 610, Odyssey, Odyssey NFL Insider. Nathaniel Hackett fired by the Broncos yesterday. Third coach of the season to lose his job. Uh, Jerry Rossberg is the interim. Uh, I saw a Josina Anderson report last night on Twitter with some initial names being discussed for the vacancy. Dan Quinn, Daryl Bevel, Eric Bieniemy, Sean Payton, D'Amico Rines, and Shane Steichen. Is that an indicator of the hottest commodities this offseason to get a head coach job outside of anybody not named Sean Payton? Oh, I did mention Sean Payton there, though, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, I think for the most part, um, and I don't think Daryl Bevel is, I think that's just the Russell Wilson connection, and my guess is Russell Wilson must like him, and they're trying to do whatever they can to try to get Russell Wilson turned around. I, I can't remember another quarterback where it felt like they just totally lost it overnight. I mean, they make the trade for him. I think it's a good trade. You know, at the time for the Broncos, there's a lot of teams that wanted Russell Wilson. The interesting part is I think they felt like, hey, we we gave him this big, you know, we gave up all these picks for him. We might as well, you know, get him signed to extension now. It's only going to cost us more later. That obviously turned out to be a huge mistake with the way that he's played. Um, whoever they bring in, their job's going to try to be to get Russell to play better. And it's probably not that hard of a job. I mean, you really can't play much worse. The, the question is, how much better can you get him to play would really be the interesting question. I think D'Amico Ryan is a great name. I think it's interesting to hear Shane Steichen. You know, he doesn't get talked about a lot in Philadelphia where I live, but he's done an unbelievable job with the Eagles this year. Now their roster is totally loaded, but I I've been really impressed with what Steichen's done as a, as a game planner and play caller this year. Ross is John McLean. Happy new year. Likewise, John, always good to hear your voice, buddy. Hey, thank you. Um, you brought up Shane Steichen. He, he, uh, was offensive coordinator during two stints at the chargers when Justin Herbert was a rookie, and he calls plays for the Eagles, which is interesting considering Nick Sirianni's offensive background. When you have an offensive coordinator who is calling the plays for an offensive-oriented head coach, how much of an advantage is that for him to uh, when he's doing interviews to help him get a head coaching job? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the thing I – you know, the longer I do this, John – the more I, I don't think it's a great idea when the head coach is the play caller. You know, I, and I've talked with some head coaches about this. There is so much going on in terms of clock management and injuries and challenges and all of those things. And I know that there have been a lot of guys that have successfully done it, but to be thinking about all those things and also thinking about the next play call that you're going to call and being ahead of it, it just seems like it's two different jobs to me. And, um, you know, it's a weird thing because most of the time these guys get head coaching jobs because they do such a good job as a play caller and as a coordinator. And so I've talked to guys that will tell you it's like addicting. It's really hard to give that up, you know, once it's something that you've gotten used to doing. They really enjoy it, and they want to have that control. But 
I don't know. I, I think if you can, it's much better if you don't do that. So, but is Shane Steichen going to say that in his job interviews? Is he going to say, yeah, I'm hoping to bring somebody else in to call the plays. Cause then if you're the person doing the interview, you know, looking to hire him, you're like, wait a minute. That's why we're looking to give you the head job because we saw the plays that you designed <laughs> and called in Philadelphia. So it's a, it's a weird one because I think that was part of why the Eagles wanted Sirianni and then Sirianni realized, you know what, these are Steichen's very capable and these are two very different tasks and I'd rather have my play caller totally focused on that part of it and looking ahead to the next play and that that situation so that the head coach can be totally focused on game management, clock management, and all of those duties. It's asking a lot to put both those jobs on one guy. I remember when Gary Kubiak was hired here, I went to Denver and Mike Shanahan told me, Gary, like all offensive coordinators, will call plays, and then he's going to realize there's too much for a head coach and he's going to give it up. Sure enough, he gave it up to Kyle Shanahan. I want to get back to uh, Denver Ross about will it be a hindrance? We know the Walmart family have no problem paying whatever it takes to get a coach like Sean Payton, but how much of a hindrance will it be that they gave up two ones and two twos, not to mention some starting players? Will that be a hindrance, and will they have to give more than a five-year contract to get somebody to come there? Well, that's always all relative, right, John? Like, I mean, they wouldn't have to give me more than a five-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> me either. You know? <laughs> they they want to give me a five-year contract to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos for, like, $5 million a year? I'll, t- I'll take a three-year deal right now. So it, it's always relative in terms of what are the other options for the candidate, how highly sought after is he. Um, I do think the lack of draft picks is a concern. But to be honest with you, I, I think Russell Wilson just being there might be a bigger concern. You know, um, you could they could cut him this offseason and take all kinds of dead cap money next year. And maybe they make it after a, a, a post-June 1st cut and just take all kinds of dead money the next two years but at least you're out from under that contract. That's a possibility. But it's more likely that they're bringing someone in whose job is it, it, it is to make it work with Russell Wilson. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some guys that think that they can figure it out. They've seen him do enough positive things that they can figure it out. But the thing I think is so interesting about that, guys, is Russell Wilson's strength has always been his second reaction place his ability to kind of run around in the backfield, scramble around. The guys can never touch him because he's so quick. And then he finds an open receiver and throws it to him and makes big plays. He he hasn't really shown the ability to do that in Denver. So I don't know how getting a new play caller or new coach is going to fix that because it's not like you go into the huddle and you say, all right, second reaction play on two, you know, or, Uh, Guys, let let somebody come through. I'm going to make a miss and run around. And then Mm -hmm. those plays aren't designed. So I I don't know how a a coordinator or play caller or whatever fixes that. Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker, our guest on Sports Radio 610. Ross, let's bring you back uh, local here. Uh, 
I'm kind of interested in your assessment of the state of the Texans, uh, offseason moves potentially that they could make. How would you proceed with the staff, particularly Lovey Smith, given the team's performance in recent weeks? Do you need to see more before you decide? Where are you in, with the Texans and what they need to do with presumably uh, occupying and if they can hold on to the number one overall pick in the draft? Well, that's certainly a big part of it. Um, that would be rough if they end up, you know, winning another game and lose the number one overall pick. I'm a big believer in Bryce Young. I don't think I've ever seen him really have a bad game. And he, you know, they play on national television every week. This year, he hasn't had the elite offensive line or the elite receivers around him, and he still seems to always make the play that needs to be made in most of these situations. So I really like Bryce Young, and I think it starts with taking him with the number one overall pick. That gets them off to a really, really good start. Then, obviously, you got the Browns picks, and you have um, some options there uh, along the defensive line, certainly. Uh, the Lovey Smith thing is interesting because a month ago, I would have told you I think he's as good as gone, but they have played better. I mean, the Cowboys game, the Chiefs game, certainly beating the Titans. I think these last two games do matter for Lovey Smith, but this is a weird situation. I would love to know sort of the conversations going on behind the scenes because, you know, I'm sure Lovey Smith wants to win to have, get another year and keep his job and they win these last two and they show that they really improved and were playing better under his watch down the stretch. But then that also, likely takes away the number one overall pick for the team. It's a weird situation to be in if you are Lovey Smith and the Texans right now. Rosa, you know what um, Kenyon Green, their second number one pick, played left guard. A rookie offense lineman goes through. Green played well early. Then he got steamrolled by Jeffrey Simmons and Jonathan Allen. He seemed to lose confidence. But the guy's got ability what is the most important? What are some of the most important things for an offensive lineman going from their rookie year to their second year that they should be doing to prepare for that? Yeah, I'd say it's a couple, John. Um, and I can tell you, now I wasn't a first round pick, but for me, the difference between my rookie year and second year was huge. I mean, number one, I put on about 10, 15 pounds. So I was significantly stronger. It was the first time, you know, all I did in the offseason was lift and eat, right? You know, in college, you have to go to class. And I certainly did at Princeton, that's for sure, and have to do a bunch of other things where um, I think he'll be able to get stronger and he needs to get stronger because he was very susceptible to the bull rush. And I, I've noticed that a bunch. And then just the technique work, you know, you're – your technique work should improve every year, but especially between your first and second year, your rookie year, you know, you get all the pre-draft stuff and then the combine and all that stuff and get drafted. Now that he's got a pretty good feel for what worked, what doesn't, what wins, what doesn't in the league. Um, I think he needs to get stronger and work on his technique. And I know for me, um, a little different situation because I didn't play much as a rookie, but I was so much more confident going into my second year uh, than I was my rookie year. 
I just felt like I belonged. I felt like I was as good as anybody, and I didn't necessarily think that as a rookie. Uh, let's hope that's the case for Kenyon as well, because I have seen teams target him and him struggle over the last couple months. Let me circle back to Bryce Young, who's the quarterback people in Houston would love to see the Texans draft. Um, you know, they list him at six foot and one ninety four. He's been coached by Bill O'Brien for two years. You know, he's got everything you want in a quarterback except what you can't affect, the size. They think he'll be closer to 5'10 than six foot, and you can always gain weight. Do you think in this day and age, from watching him and all of his strengths, that his size will be a detriment? And do how important is it that the Texans have someone to coach him who knows how to coach a guy who doesn't have size and to take advantage of to maximize his strengths? That's an interesting point, John, because I do think you have to call things a little bit differently for pocket quarterbacks that are sub six foot, right? They're, they're just, there are certain routes and certain things that they're not going to be able to see as well. And I feel like we've seen that with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield to some extent where there's certain things in the pocket that just don't, don't come naturally for them. And so you have to do a better job of moving the pocket, moving them around, creating natural seams up front. So they have a better vantage point with which to throw the football. Certainly you wish he was taller and you probably wish he was a little bit thicker and bigger um, but then the, there's the flip side of that, right, which is that because he is smaller and because he isn't that heavy, he moves around pretty well, you know, and he does a pretty good job of not taking very many big shots and doesn't seem like he's that fast, but he's always just fast enough when you watch him that the guy about to chase him doesn't get him. He just makes a move and keeps his head downfield and makes the play. Mm-hmm. I just – I feel like I've seen him consistently make the right play so often at Alabama that I have confidence he'll do that at the next level. Um, That's an interesting point, though, about someone with experience with a quarterback that size. I do think that's something to consider, yeah. I wish I had the confidence that he was going to be doing it in a Houston Texans uniform, but they've made it shaky for us the next few weeks before the end of the season. Ross, I really appreciate the time, man. It was uh, good to finally talk to you. And I uh, hope we can do it again down the road, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Ross. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great talking with you guys. All right. That was uh, Ross Tucker, Odyssey NFL Insider. Insider Calls brought to you by Driveway.com. Head to Driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars in Driveway's nationwide inventory. Coming up next, we've got headlines including AFC playoff picture. We'll take a look at that. Only one wildcard spot remaining up for grabs, by the way. And the latest on Carlos Correa and the Mets. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. Chargers hurry it up. And off, and now he gets it here. Eckler, touchdown, Los Angeles. Second touchdown of the night and 16th of the season for Austin Eckler. And just wore him down, wore down the Colts defensive front that had shut down this running game that was the nightcap final touchdown of the evening from the chargers who dominated the colts on monday night football joe buck troy aikman on the call of the highlight you just heard coming in sean bajani john mcclain and for Payne and pendergast it is headlines so the chargers punched their ticket last night john with a 20 to 3 win dominating win over the indianapolis colts and jeff saturday who uh, does not seem like he's long for the job and the chargers head coach staley might have extended his. There was talk that if Brandon Staley did not make the playoffs for a third consecutive year, that they would fire him and go after Sean Payton because Payton would like, ideally, to go where they have a great quarterback, and Justin Herbert is a great quarterback. And um, the Chargers have had a lot of injuries, and the Colts are just terrible. You know, Jeff Saturday won that first game. That was great. He's had a lot of clock management issues, as you would expect a guy thrust into that situation, and uh, he's not going to be the next head coach. And I know this, if he goes back to being an analyst for ESPN, we were kicking this around, Sean, that if he is critical of a coach on clock management, Mm -hmm. it kind of rings hollow because he's had so many clock management issues. And uh, you would think, you know, Chris, Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay, the owner, has said we'll be back. Even though Ursay's making all the big decisions. Chris Ballard uh, didn't want him to get rid of uh, Carson Wentz so quick. Neither did Frank Wright. Yeah. He didn't want to go with, with uh, uh, Sam Ellinger. When all those decisions were made by Ursay, and I'm wondering, you have an owner who is very much involved and make some strange decisions. You know, is that a more attractive job working for an owner like that or working for like the McNairs who stay out of it? 
who give you plenty of money to spend, and they want to know what's going on, but they don't make you make decisions. They yeah. let people they are. Not even that, make but the, the, draft, decisions. the draft capital that they have, too. You know, in terms, I don't know what you think about the Texans and how attractive the job is, but I can't imagine many more attractive jobs than what you just mentioned. You know, the draft status, the money, and, yes, a non-meddlesome owner. It, it, it seems like it would be one of the more, if not the most attractive job in the NFL. John Lopez has been saying it's the best job in the NFL. I think if you fire Lovey Smith, that means you've been two one-and-done head coaches. And so that means you've had, you're about to have your fifth in four years, O'Brien, Romeo Cornell, Interim, David Culley, and uh, Lovey Smith. But and some guys may pull back and go, whoa, I don't want to come in there and get fired after one year because – the McNair family was, uh, you know, they stayed with Gary Kubiak into his eighth year. They showed a lot of patience. They stayed with Bill O'Brien mm-hmm. longer than a lot of fans and media would have wanted them to. And, of course, they'd like to stick with a coach for five or six years again. But I don't know. I think Nick Casario will have a lot to do with it. They're not going to get a head coach who wants a final sale for personnel. Yeah. Casario's got four years left on his contract. Casario hadn't even been here two years yet. Yeah. He was hired in January two years ago. And I, I see people thinking, well, if you fire Lovey, you should fire him. I think that's preposterous. He handled, he came into a really bad situation. He, he was able to navigate his way out of the Watson situation. I think we all agree pretty well. They had to get the cap figure straightened out. And uh, I think he deserves another year. He stockpiled draft choices this year in 2023. In 2024, his job should not be uh, in jeopardy till this time next year. Yeah, and I don't to think see it, where this franchise is. And I don't think it will be next on headlines. The latest on Carlos Correa and the Mets. Mike Ooh. Puma of the New York Post is reporting that three plus rival teams have been in touch with the Boers Corporation about Correa after the Mets expressed trepidation. Puma writes that the the 28-year-old Correa would strongly prefer to join the Mets than go back into free agency, also suggesting it's still likelier than not that Correa and the Mets work something out. To me, that reads plenty of room for renegotiating this contract, which is now 12 years, $315 million, um, versus the, what, 13-year, $350 million deal that the Giants initially offered. There's one source pegging the odds of Correa landing in Queens at around 55%. That's an interesting number. And that's not very good. And there was a story on MLB that he does not want to redo that contract. You know, obviously they want some relief from that injury that had freaked out the Giants and now the Mets. That was in 2014 before he ever started playing for the Astros. a, a, A fibula in his lower part of his leg. And Minnesota didn't bother them. Minnesota had him for a year, offered him two hundred seventy-five million. He turned it down. And uh, but these reports that come out are obviously put out by the agent trying to scare the Mets. Scott Boris, that's what he does. And I hope Carlos, if he wants to be at the Mets, I hope he's at the Mets. But if they insist on some kind of relief financially, if indeed he has a problem with that, then he probably ought to give it to him. You know. You've mentioned this a couple of times uh, in so many words that there's just something odd, something fishy about this whole thing. I've tried to play through all these scenarios in my mind. Is it possible 
and I don't know if you know because I don't really know how it works in Major League Baseball. Maybe you know, uh, and there's a correlation between how it works in the NFL with the training staff. But like, I'm assuming any time that you go see a trainer, there becomes a paper trail. You know, the the training staff gets it, the front office gets it. Maybe something has to be reported to Major League Baseball in terms of the health of a player. I don't think Carlos Correa was injured at all this past season with Minnesota, and he played in most of the he missed games. Missed twenty six games with COVID, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it no, COVID related? He had different things that went wrong, but that was a lot of games to miss. He didn't miss many when his contract year with the Astros. Maybe that was the last year. Maybe it was COVID in his last that year. That was with the, with the Astros. Yeah. in two thousand. That would have been in two thousand. His last year here was two thousand twenty one. Yeah. And he didn't miss many games. I was just trying to think, like, you know, maybe he's just kind of skated by in 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 maybe hiding something that he'd felt was wrong or might raise a red flag and didn't want to create a paper trail because we all know that he bet on himself for this offseason to get paid. And in fact, he has. It just hadn't been really put the final ink to paper yet. So I think that nobody's just giving him his thorough physical because they hadn't been paying him through over three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and he's gotten a thorough one. And for something, the X-rays came back that doctors were concerned about his lower one side of his lower leg. Yeah, and when you're given a long-term contract, and I'm not sure how it works in baseball, but football, you can put the contracts are not guaranteed. You can put all kind of clauses in there. Next up on headlines, Kevin Durant making his way through some of the game's best on the all-time scoring list. 32 points last night in the win over Cleveland. Durant, now 26,516 points all-time, moved past Tim Duncan into 15th place on the all-time scoring list. This season, John, he's passed the likes of Alex English, Vince Carter, Kevin Garnett, <clears throat> John Havlicek, and Paul Pierce. Kevin Durant, like, are we? We're there. It's happening. This is the stage of his career, and he's playing some really great basketball right now. Where he's going to be starting to pass some of the all-time greats. I think Dominique Wilkins is next up for him. He's played a long time. He's been a great scorer ever since he went to UT for one year, and uh, he's one of the all-time great players. And he shows no signs of slowing down. He also has given no indication that he's going to step aside any anytime soon. And when you're as tall as he is and you can shoot and handle the ball the way he does, why would he? No telling where he'll end up. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of him this year. I heard an analyst say after that performance uh, last night that he's playing the, some of the best basketball. I think he said some of or the best basketball of his career. That's pretty crazy. Um, but it's going to be uh, fun to see if he's able to stay healthy, what he can continue to do uh, from a personal achievement standpoint. Top five rankings unchanged. As college basketball teams enter the first week of conference play, or Houston Cougars rank third, that has not changed from last until this week. 12 and 1, they've got Tulsa tomorrow night, then they're home for UCF on New Year's Eve uh, at a 1 o'clock game at uh, the Fertitta Center. As it stands now, the Cougs do not have a ranked opponent remaining on their schedule, John, between now and uh, conference tournament time and beyond that. Really, until the NCAA tournament, of course, things could change. Final four in Houston, by the way, in case you forgot, beginning. April 1st here. So excited about that. But, man, these Cougs, they're... Kelvin Sampson said it a couple of weeks ago. They occupied number one for, like, literally, I think, a couple of weeks. It's a rental. Do you think they get back to the top spot? How important do you think 
you know, that is to that program at this point in time, if they kind of put their name out there, you know, put their put themselves on the map. I mean, they've been doing this for four or five years now under Samson's watch. And uh, when they were in the Final Four two years ago, who beat them? Oh, God. I don't even – Final Four. Who was it? Baylor. Oh, Second. My, my, well, I, I should have known you asked me that. I question. like uh, – no, I realize that, right? that wasn't a close game either. Yeah, I didn't Baylor like it when Baylor right. was number one. I didn't like it when U of H is number one. Because when you're number one, and it's the reason te- got, teams don't stay there long, is everybody's gunning for you. Yeah. I was glad when they got beat by Alabama. Now, Baylor is ranked like 12th behind two teams they beat, which is weird. And uh, But I think it's great for the program. Kelvin Sampson gets really good players there, and he's a great coach, and they got a great situation going on. The Fertitta Center is fabulous, and uh, it's great. I'm, I still haven't been, but I'm told it's a great in-game experience, and I'm happy for them. I'd love to see them have the kind of success they had in Five Slam and Jamma, but win it all. That's going to do it for headlines. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.